Hi, and welcome back to a double XL sized episode of the Tracking Shot Podcast. I forgot the name of the podcast. For a <laughs> uh, my name is Chris Spencer, and I'm joined by Taylor Dodson. And we're here to talk to you today about Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather trilogy. Heck yeah. Comprised of The Godfather Part 1, The Godfather Part 2, and The Godfather Part, part three. 3. Weird. Yeah. No subtitles. Apparently Francis Ford Coppola wanted the third one to be called The Death of Michael Corleone. But they didn't like that Paramount was like, no, no, no. They're like, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know, the book's been out for like however many years. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Death of Michael Corleone might have been a better name than The Godfather 3. Because then when you're watching the movie and you're like, man, this is bad. You're like, at least he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it would also be like, part one, part two, another movie. As it should be. Okay. At this point, I would not recommend anybody watch The Godfather Part 3 unless you're studying the mafia in the movies, as we are. In which case, yes. watch it. Yeah, but... Uh, or I Ben will haunt you. The Godfather 1 and 2 are a good series of films, and The Godfather Part 3... Well, he didn't want to make any of them, so you can't imagine that the third one that he didn't want to make would be good. But, it, but if he didn't want to make the first two, and they were both really good, why would the third one be an exception? Because he was super, just super over it. I mean... And he's like, I'm sick of people not understanding what I'm really trying to say. Did we talk about... We talked about this with the new Scarface a little bit, about, like, dudes who idolize Tony Montana as this sort of, like badass uh, does what he wants gets what he wants doer kind of guy and they idolize that attitude even though he was a horrible uh, misogynist and criminal and, and villain basically mm -hmm. a lot of people do that with Michael Corleone too yeah um, and like if we're talking like first two thirds of the first movie Michael Corleone I can kind of understand it because he's just like sure my whole family is murderous Gangsters, but you know, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm just gonna like get installed into the government as a politician and make sure nobody in my family gets arrested. Like whatever. But then Godfather Two, he's just full on murderous. Mm -hmm. And revenge. Like, hey, quit murdering. He's like, what? But everything's fine because in Godfather Three, he wants to be legit and he wants to uh, legitimize his criminal empire. Mm -hmm. But you know that. Not how it, not how it works out. Right. You want to talk about the, the um, first moments of the first film? I would love for you to do that. Okay. <laughs> so, well, first we should probably say that the soundtrack was composed by Nino Rota, who composed the soundtrack for one of the other movies we were talking about. Yes, he sure did. Um, was it the original? No, that wouldn't make sense. I was going to say the original Scarface, but know, that wouldn't make any yeah. sense. Nino Rota. Nino Rota. I know. He did a. Uh... Rota. He did. Oh, uh. Fellini stuff, right? He did, um, The Leopard. Uh, Il Gatto Pardo. Yep, 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 yep. Stepping on all sorts of cultures with my fake accent. <clears throat> yeah. He also did an eight and a half, which is a really good movie. What? Um, take Italian cinema <gasps> next and watch eight and a half. Or just watch eight and a half, but. Or just watch eight and a half. Do both, maybe. Yeah. Well, you, should, you should watch eight and a half. You should probably. Eight and a half is one of those movies that you have to watch more than once, I think. I've seen it eight and a half times. Wow. I don't know. If, I, I just wanted to make that joke. Um, anyway, we're talking about The Godfather. We're Anyways. talking about Nino Rota. So, uh, the film opens with a black screen. Um, and all you can hear is trumpet. 
Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I, I'm, I've never been able to make the, the trumpet sound. <laughs> I played the trumpet for one year in sixth grade. I was bad. I played the flute. That was a high five, everybody. Anyways. No, I just clapped. <laughs> so, uh, the trumpet plays the main melody of the Godfather Waltz. Um, and I will get into the importance of the waltz soon. Uh, but I found this article and it says, um, after it plays through once, Bonacera's monologue begins. The only two characters on screen are Bonacera and Vito. It is clear that Vito is in a position of power. This is the first time the trumpet is attached to a scene with Vito. However, the connection is not made clear until the next time we hear the trumpet line at 46.05 when Vito is shot. As the dying Vito slides off of his car and onto the ground, the melody is played at a higher key, making the powerful line of the music sound frail. So basically, the sound of the trumpet is meant to represent Vito. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think um, I actually hadn't even noticed that presence of the 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 correlated presence of the trumpet. Ow, Pixie! <laughs> oh, this cat just stabbed me in the stomach with her claws. That was a good one. Oh, Pixie, why? This is a new shirt. I just got this shirt in the mail this morning at like whatever. Anyways, uh, I I never noticed the presence of that. The Godfather's filled with these little subtexts. I mean, like every freshman film major will be like, did you see the oranges? Yeah. Like, the oranges are there when everybody dies. It's like, it's like, look at it. I'm smart. Believe me. Believe me. Legitimize me. I need your approval. Oranges. Oranges. Just, um, your new Twitter bio should be, did you see the oranges? <laughs> <laughs> did you see the oranges? Parentheses. It means somebody's gonna die. <laughs> um, uh, no, it, yeah. The, the, there's, there's lots of those little bitty things kind of scattered throughout the movie. Yeah, so the the point of the Godfather Waltz is to connect Vito and Michael in a like a really quiet way. Like more than just their father-son relationship because whenever so we only hear the trumpet line of the waltz when Vito's on screen. <laughs> Hit play. Oh, that works too. We're back. So you only hear the the trumpet when Vito's on screen, and you only hear oboe when Michael's on screen. Mm. So the two of them have their own sound. They both have their own way of running the family business. But it's the same melody, but correct? Yeah. Yes. Same exact melody different sound right which i took as they both have their own way of running the family business yeah and and i think that's a that's an interesting point because narratively and and presentationally i don't know if that's a word um michael and Vito don't really have a strong relationship right they don't they don't have a like a strong family bond as i mean i mean it doesn't feel like the other kids do either but there's there's something distant about them, mm-hmm. and the idea of them of presenting that as like well one of them is, is accompanied by a trumpet and the other one's accompanied by an oboe, it really sells that because eventually they do come closer together through the trauma of him being shot and 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 Michael sort of having to forsake his future and take over for this uh, kingpin, mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of subtly in your mind brings them closer together even when the characters on screen aren't that close. Right. It also says um, in this article that I was reading that um, when Rhoda has the main melody played by oboe, not the trumpet, um, that we typically associate with Vito, he foreshadows how the role of Dom will be passed on to Michael. So I think that it has like multiple meanings and depending on how you want to look at it, you could see different stuff. It's really interesting. 
Um, they dang thought of everything when they were making these, well, the first two movies. Mm-hmm. You, um, you actually don't hear the oboe until about an hour into the first movie at 5808 is when you first hear oboe. And about an hour in is where start stuff, stuff starts to go south for Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, around an hour in, I think. <clears throat> yeah, that's after, um, that's like when he loses his normal lifestyle. Yeah. Um. Tick, tick, boom. Yeah. Car goes spluey. Wife goes spluey. Yeah. It's, um, there's a spot in here that says, um, the film dissolves into a shot of Radio City Music Hall where Michael and Kay are leaving after watching a show. Although the trumpet fades away before Michael's on screen, this placement of the theme puts Michael in close proximity to his father's haunting song. It's also important to note that the last time we see Michael living a carefree and, quote, normal life, one not centered around the family business. So, I think one thing that can't be undersold about at least the first movie, and I would also say the second movie uh, to a lesser degree, is that they don't put any of this in your face. Mm-hmm. The movie is very subtle. I mean, other than when people are getting their faces shot and that kind of stuff, like that's not subtle. How do you how do you sleep through the night not noticing somebody put a horse in your bed? Subtlety. Okay. That's how you do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but it, the, the movie is very... Everything kind of like happens at the same volume mm-hmm. in a way. that there's, there's like this low roar kind of happening all the time. Um, and the, the movie doesn't emphasize any particular part. And I mean, as well, the, you can even look at the way the movie is focused, like... like how each frame is focused because mm-hmm. the depth of field is very wide mm-hmm. you, you, you get the background in focus and you get the, 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 the characters in focus most of the time in the movie because it's about them and their environment it, it, the movie doesn't do a lot to visually or audibly for put anything in the forefront um, and that's that's what's so interesting about the music is because the music is still happening alongside everything else but it is subtly putting these ideas into your mind, um, as this article states, and, and sort of you see throughout the first two movies mm-hmm. and the third movie too. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you're just, I think when you're just listening or watching the movie for the first time, you don't really notice a change in music, like. If you're just watching it, you're like, oh, all I'm going to hear is the Godfather Waltz the whole time. Cool. But there's actually, technically, 12 tracks on the Godfather soundtrack for the first movie. Um, the Godfather Waltz is on it three times. <laughs> um, but... European dance mix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, it exists somewhere, I'm sure. There's a dubstep remix of the Godfather theme somewhere. That's really good. Um, but there's <laughs> Nina Rota uh, wrote twelve, ten out of the twelve tracks. Um, Connie's wedding track four was um, written by is it Carmine? Is that how? It, is that how you? Yes. Or Carmen? Carmine? Coppola. Um, she is who they are. Be Carmen if it's. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the gender of this person. Spouse's name is Italia, but I guess it doesn't tell me anything. Personal life. Him. Yep, yeah, I would say Carmine then. Son of Francis. No. No. Father of Francis. Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah. So, Coppola's dad wrote Connie's Wedding as a song for this movie. Oh, interesting. Um, That was a really interesting yeah. us getting to a point there. We, we got there. We got there. That's what matters. Um, and then I Have But One Heart was written by Johnny Farrow and Marty Symes. Um, and Marty Symes was a composer from Brooklyn. Wow. But, uh... I wonder if those were studio people. 
I wonder if those people who, who were like were with Paramount or something and they provided or I wonder how they got involved yeah that's all speculatory I'm sure I can find that out somewhere. yeah it doesn't really say um the only thing <clears throat> they did say was um I have but one heart was sung by Al Martino in the film okay. he played Johnny Fontaine got it so I think that's in the is it the wedding party scene yes he's singing that yes so um but yeah that's the only thing that that's really um not orchestral yeah and it's and it's one of the only bits in that movie that is non-diegetic in mm -hmm. which the music is, is i'm sorry it's the only bit in the movie that the music is diegetic diegetic the rest yes. of it is non-diegetic correct um but also i have an important update mm -hmm. a little bit no I didn't want to skip oh wow well whatever here we're gonna we're gonna get there <laughs> this is a mistake I bumped the microphone with the phone and that's better than the song um, anyways uh, yeah It's hard to define a lot of the parts of this movie mm -hmm. as meaning one thing or meaning another thing. Like, this article does a good job of pointing out, like, here's concrete reasons why this is this and this is that. Right. Um, but, like I said earlier, the movie has so many moving parts. There's so many characters in these movies. And just the skipping of timelines and... You mean in Godfather 2? And all of them. I mean, I know the original Godfather is pretty linear, but... Uh... The other two, I feel like, are super, like, now what time is it? Yeah, Godfather 2 jumps between the the um, Vito timeline and the, the Michael timeline. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say, I mean, I'm kind of jumping the gun here. I think the end of Godfather 2, after um, Fredo gets shot... I think that that trumpet theme comes in loud and ringing clear Does it? on the shot of Michael kind of like looking out over the coast. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's how that movie ends, is it kind of fades out with that trumpet. Hmm. Um, which leads more credence to the idea of he, is, he has fully become his father, what his father was doing. Right. Um, Absolutely. Um... <clears throat> basically the last I have to say about the first Godfather um, is that from the point where Vito tells Michael what he pictured him as and when he says I never wanted this for you that's the last time we hear the Godfather waltz until the closing scene hmm the closing scene with Vito when Vito dies. When Michael's hand's being kissed and the door is closing. Uh, yeah, Vito dies. Vito dies. During all of that, right? I, th I thought it was the very, very end. I mean, I'm, I'm probably thinking of the third one. The third one is Michael in the same situation where he just like falls out of his chair. <laughs> so, so bad. Um, no, yeah. Vito dies to the Godfather Waltz. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I think those scenes... Are those scenes happening they at might the same be cut time. together yeah they i think might, they are they might be cut together um yeah but um it's technically not called the godfather waltz this last bit um it's technically called the godfather finale mm. um, because it is a longer cut it's three Got minutes it. and 50 seconds whereas um the godfather waltz is three minutes and four seconds interesting so they added a little bit more, I imagine, because this that scene is longer. And I but. bet I bet that the music ends, whereas when the song is used in a bunch of other sequences, it is 
fade out. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet the music has to conclude with the movie's conclusion right. to show that uh, or to, to demonstrate that the movie's over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Godfather 1. Pretty good movie. I can understand why some people don't like it, um, but I very much enjoy that movie for what it is. It's just long. It's oh, well, sure it is, but you know, like, it's there's a scene. Um, we've talked about it before, I'm sure. I, I I don't have any problem with long movies. Yeah. There's a scene in the John Luke Godard movie that's like ten minutes of two people eating sandwiches. Uh, there's a voiceover that's happening behind it, but it's just, I think it's just like a single shot of these two people eating sandwiches, and I love it. I am here for it. There's a three minute scene in Twin Peaks: The Return of a guy sweeping up a bar to the tune of green onions and it's just a, it's a one it's a single shot of the guy sweeping up the bar and then the credits start for the end of the episode hmm. it's very good anyway that's neither here nor there we're gonna take a quick break uh and come back and talk about the godfather part two and we're back from a break that was much longer for us than it was for you <laughs> Um, before we get into the Godfather 2, there was one thing I wanted to add about Godfather 1, and that was how inspired a choice for Vito Corleone uh, that Marlon Brando is mm-hmm. was. Uh, Marlon Brando had a ridiculous career. He was kind of like the first bad boy kind of like movie star in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um and the idea of casting him as this old, wanting to get out of the game boss was so fitting for where his career was at that point. Um, I don't know. It's just super cool. I, I really, I really enjoyed that part. But we're also going to get into the Godfather Two, the Godfather Part Two. Excuse me. Um, and this movie is structured a little bit differently than Godfather 1 in that Mm -hmm. there's two timelines happening here. You have uh, the story of young Vito. Young Vito would be a good rap name. Um, (laughs) Young Vito and his immigration from Sicily to America and and how he got into the the crime business. Mm -hmm. And also the story of, of Michael really running the family and the, 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 the crime part of it, the business aspect of it, so on and so forth. And you have these sort of intermittently changing back and forth between which timeline we're looking at in ways that play off of each other in really, in really interesting ways. Um, a lot of the music is carried over mm-hmm. from the first movie, kind of like we talked about earlier. Um, right. Um, they um, kept the theme of the Godfather Waltz um, and Michael's theme and the love theme's still in there a little bit um, but they added um, a theme for Kay and um, two for young Vito um, so they added the immigrant theme the Tarantella and then another one called the new carpet um, hmm. so those were like reoccurring melodies that were tied to so, like, there was now one for Kay, and there was now one for Young Vito, um, similar to the trumpet and oboe thing we yeah. were talking about earlier. That's neat. Yeah. Um, I think in The Godfather 2, the shots that stand out in my memory the most are Young Vito looking at the Statue of Liberty after coming off the boat mm-hmm. from Sicily. But young Young Vito, child Vito. Mm-hmm. Um and he's he's renamed Vito Corleone, uh, Vito anti something before that. Um, Vito Corleone looking at the at the Statue of Liberty really with even with just the context that you have of Vito from the first movie, that really sets a tone for the critique of this movie on like the American dream. And and immigration into America and, and um, indoctrination into America. The story of, of Vito in this movie, combined with 
the literal Senate hearings of Michael Corleone with the Corleone family mm-hmm. um, paint this sort of grim picture of how immigrants can succeed in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that's kind of part of what he was going for. Is like, yes, these are wildly successful immigrants. This is a wildly successful family of immigrants, mm-hmm. but they're really only able to accomplish that by unfair means by murdering and stealing and right. and all kinds of stuff um they're like the bad kind of successful right exactly and it, it, it's there's there's a duality in those stories because 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 Vito's life starts coming up great he's like goes on that robbery with Peter Clemenza mm-hmm. and then suddenly he's in it and he's taking over he starts the olive oil business and so on and so mm-hmm. forth um, and Michael is there kind of reaping the benefits of that uh, all at the same time. Uh, and the, the conclusion of the movie, the last scene of the movie, which is not the last, last scene. The last, last scene is not Fredo being shot. The last, last scene, the last full scene is in the, in the flashback timeline where they're throwing the surprise birthday party for Vito, mm-hmm. and Michael reveals that he's going after the attacks on Pearl Harbor. Harbor he's going to join the Marines, I believe the Marines. Uh, and the last shot of the flashback timeline is you hear Vito come in the front door, and everybody in the kitchen or in the dining room stands up and goes to the front door uh, to greet Vito, but Michael stays. And stays there alone, mm-hmm. and then we go back to the the the, the present timeline, the quote, present timeline, and Michael is alone looking over the water where Fredo was killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the way the way that those two pl- the way that those two timelines play off each other, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. I know I think the last episode we did, I mentioned that somebody I think an HBO there's an HBO miniseries that cut everything together chronologically yeah. of at least the, the Godfather part one and two. I don't remember if they did three. Um, but I think that's a huge loss of context when you do that. Yeah. I would agree with that because you, <clears throat> I feel like if those scenes weren't together, you wouldn't realize. Right. And it's, it's like, it's the idea that, decisions in movies are just made arbitrarily like no everything is made everything is made that way for a reason at least in a, in a good movie right and i feel like that's the whole point of godfather part two is that it's putting their their lives at a similar point in their their lives right similar age points yeah seeing the similarities and the differences yeah. seeing their lives juxtaposing Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the this word I was thinking of I just a second ago, too. I regretted saying it when I said it, and then it was fine. So. <laughs> um, um, I actually, speaking of Fredo's death, I found, so I found this article of, like, fun facts about Godfather 2. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fredo gets murdered. <laughs> so, apparently. In a boat. <laughs> the author of the Godfather books. Um, Mario Puzo. Mm-hmm, he didn't want Fredo to die at all. Um, and apparently there's a documentary, um, called Behind the Scenes of the Godfather 2. Huh. Uh, Puzo says, I didn't want Fredo to be killed, but Francis was adamant. So I said, okay, but you can't kill him until the mother dies. Um, because he felt if Fredo was killed by Michael before their mother's death, then the audience would never be able to forgive them. Yeah. Because, because Michael specifically tells, uh, the... Capo or the capo? I think it's the capo. A capo is the thing you put on guitar the guitar strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think a capo is what, like, sort of a um, gang mob, like, mid-level boss, mm-hmm. like, like, controls his own gang. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells that capo, like, nothing will happen to Fredo while my mother is still alive. Mm-hmm. And his mother dies, and then Fredo dies. Bra bra bra. Night night, Fredo. <laughs> Sorry, I got a text message that scared me. Um, yeah, The Godfather 2, like, everything we said about The Godfather 1 mostly applies to Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. Of, like, the oranges! Um, yeah. And the, the subtleties of the, of, and we talked about the music, the music work and everything. 
what The Godfather 2 does is much more explicitly address or at least foreground um, Coppola's critiques of capitalism and, and the American government system. Um, I mean, we're, we're in there. We're looking at Corleone speaking to senators about, we're not corrupt, we're not organized crime, we're fine, and getting off scot-free, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you, you see, you, it's much more explicit, the, the correlation between the capitalist system that is the Corleone family and the capitalist system that is the American yeah, government. Because then it's also juxtaposed against Cuba. Mm-hmm. It's juxtaposed against uh, Cuba during the Communist Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that Michael and his associates have to escape because they can't survive in this communist environment, or this, this burgeoning communist environment, at mm-hmm. least. Um which I think is, a, I think that's actually a fascinating part of the film that gets overlooked a lot and doesn't get talked about a lot, or the, the business interactions in Cuba with um, Batista, I think is, yeah, Batista, the, the head of the administration at that time before the rebellion. Um, there's so much context there of the type of environment that organized crime can develop in mm-hmm. and should develop in or not should develop in but but um, does develop in um, that shows that different cultures and lots of times the way those cultures are receptive to people that aren't like them like the like American society is much more prone to the development of organized crime because so many people are disenfranchised mm-hmm. um, uh, that that's the only way that they can survive that people can survive um, whereas places like Cuba and, and more diverse places, and um, let's just say militant mm-hmm. places, uh, aren't going to respond, aren't, aren't going to construct that kind of environment that's going to be so bad for marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there just won't be as many marginalized people, or they won't be as marginalized. They won't be as marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that's kind of all I have to say on that. Do you have any more about The Godfather 2? Uh, yeah, this, so, <clears throat> this soundtrack actually won two awards? No. It won the 1974 Oscar for Original Dramatic Score, um, and it was nominated for Best Original Score at the Golden Globes, um, and the... It's interesting because the first Godfather soundtrack was disqualified from winning awards by the Academy because um, it wasn't fully original because um, Nino Rota rewrote a song that he used in a different film. Oh, man. So as, as good as the first soundtrack was, it was disqualified. Right. Um, because of like a tiny tiny detail right. so i i like i wanted to mention that this one did win an oscar that's wild um and was nominated for a golden globe and i like that it's original dramatic score because it is just super dramatic very dramatic hella um, as some would say hella dramatic <laughs> um yeah, the Godfather and and awards, the Godfather series and and sort of critical reception and award reception is a very strange thing because the mm-hmm. first one well, you, you you mentioned earlier, you told me earlier that Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro are the only two actors to ever receive an Oscar for playing the same character, mm-hmm. which is interesting, crazy to me. That's that's wild. Like, I, I, I don't know what context that would ever, again, happen in. Right, because how many movies are there that... Like, I can't think of a ton of movies that have two people playing the same character at different times in their life that are as important role, Like, equally important roles. Right. Well, but it would also have to be across two movies, right? Right. Because un- unless one 
unless the academy could split that as like one form of the character is best lead actor or actress and supporting and then the other the other form of the character is best supporting actor or actress but they're both nominated for both because they're both lead and supporting burn down the oscars (laughs) (laughs) burn down the academy of motion picture arts and sciences um yeah i just think it's really really interesting yeah it's wild and 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 i was reading that the critical reception apparently the the part part two was like mixed when it came out Mm -hmm. and nowadays everyone is not everyone but like mostly what i hear people say is that they like godfather 2 the most out of the three movies it's the most unique film yeah i have a soft spot for the first one um for sure uh don't even start on the third one it just wins wins everything in that book god well i'm about to get you started on the third one i should like i could make a career out of dunking on godfather 3 you should <sighs> Once, write a whole stand-up routine about the godfather's part 3 when we're done using this podcast for ben lonnie every week i rewatch the godfather part 3 and give a new hot take there was a, you just give us a 15-minute hot take about Godfather 3. There was a podcast that did that with... They did a couple seasons of it where every episode they rewatched the same movie for like 12 episodes or like 24 episodes or something like that. I think the second season was Grown Ups 2, oh God. which is just like whatever. There's another podcast that's called Till Death Do Us Blart. And I think every year they watch Mall Cop 2, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, uh, and they talk about it. It's every, a lot. Every year. It is a lot. Anyways... Uh, We're going to take another short, concise break to you, and then come back and talk about The Godfather Part 3. See you in a minute. We're back. We are, in fact, back. Back. With Godfather Part 3. Yes. Otherwise titled... The Death of Michael Corleone. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... This movie stars Coppola's daughter, mm-hmm. Sofia Coppola, who gives a just god awful performance <laughs> as Michael's daughter, mm-hmm. Mary. Michael's daughter, Mary. Mm-hmm. Sofia Coppola, fantastic director. Fantastic director. Lost in Translation, one of my favorite movies. So good. She's great. Oscar award winning director. She couldn't act worth shit. Oh, man. Why didn't she just work on the set? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, like her performance in this movie is one of the most, like, there's lots of problems with this movie, the way it's written. Michael, Godfather 2 ends with Michael murdering his brother. Godfather 3, oh, I feel bad for the... You know, I feel bad for killing my brother, Fredo. I don't want to be a bad guy. Oh, no, I want to go legitimate. Like, what, there's like that character turn happens off screen between Godfather Part 2 and Godfather Part 3. And considering it was like 1972, or uh, when, four, four for two. Yeah, two was, 1972 was the original. Um, considering it was 16 years between the two um i guess i can get that i guess i can kind of understand that how they would just like assume that people would think that he's going to be a different person because it's 16 years later but no i don't like the way michael is written but uh but the the number one problem i have with this movie two the two number one problems i have with this movie are the performance of Sofia Coppola as Mary Corleone and the strange incestuous relationship that they present between her and her cousin um, the sort of the uh, Vince Vincent Vincent sure yes Vinny Uh, Mm -hmm. those two things in this movie are just oh god but yeah we're not here to talk about well we are a little bit but we're not here to mostly talk about 
how I feel about this movie. We're here to talk about lots of other parts mm-hmm. of it, like the oranges. <laughs> so there was only one single from this one, um, and it is really the only. There's other parts of pieces of music from this film that were made for it, but the one thing, the one original, um, is a track called Promise Me You'll Remember, um, and it has a little bit of the love theme, um, from 2 in it, but it's also known as the love theme from The Godfather Part 3, so it has a similar melody, Hmm. um, composed by Francis himself. He did a lot of the composing on this um, this one. Uh, he had a little bit of help from Rhoda with... They still used the Godfather theme, um, and they used... Um, Rhoda composed Michael's letter, which is used at the beginning of the film, or towards the beginning of the film. But Promise Me You'll Remember um, is performed by Harry Connick Jr. in the film. I told you this before we started this part of the podcast my mom saw harry Connick jr in concert in louisville kentucky several years ago she was very excited she had a great time i'm glad um yeah there's just not a whole lot of crazy stuff going on with this um soundtrack there was a gregorian chant at one point very good yeah that makes sense um with the the Madigan? Yeah, in the Madigan. Um, the the movie does do some diegetic stuff. Like the towards the beginning of the movie I believe they're having that big party mm-hmm. uh, after the the baptism mm-hmm. of his god son. Right? Or is, is it his grandson? I don't remember. I think it's uh, yeah, I think he literally becomes a godfather. I think that's the point. Gotcha. Um uh, and they have the band playing with, and Vincent notices Mary and all that jazz. Um, no, I don't. I don't really have a lot to say about this movie. The 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 subplot with the corrupt um, Vatican was kind of interesting for sure. Um, certainly more ham fisted and direct a commentary than the godfather part two was Mm -hmm. uh on that system but this one this one tries to reposition michael as a good guy Mm -hmm. not just as a protagonist but as like somebody that you should want to root for and i find that really disconcerting and uncomfortable because You've seen what he's capable of and what he's done in the other two movies. Yeah, he killed his brother. Yeah. Like, it and, doesn't get more brutal than that. In this one, he's like, I'm a good guy now, and we're just supposed to feel sorry for him at the end of the movie when his daughter gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and still one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. Just, <laughs> she gets shot, and she's standing on the steps of the opera house. And and, and she's, she's standing there. She's motionless. The, the blood is starting to, like trail down her dress and mm-hmm. she just looks at old ass Al Pacino in the face and he, she says dead <laughs> and falls over and dies and, and, and Vincent blah blah like to the people Brought that kill her uh, and, and Michael comes over and is like holding Mary's body and he like screams but there's no there's no sound from the scream but it's not a editing choice it's not a sound editing choice it's like he goes "Ah!" (laughs) and just kind of like 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 he's he's screaming so hard you can't even hear it and it looks like he's about to just die there because he kind of like lays back on the steps and he's like looks like he's having a dang heart attack he's like And then that scene ends, and it goes into the future, or like like further into his life when he's an even older Al Pacino, and he's sitting in like a similar field to his dad when he died, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting in this like lawn chair, not even a lawn chair, it's like a folding chair, 
and he just goes and like falls out of the chair and dies. And it's just it's such a such a terrible chain of of events and of presentation and I just I couldn't imagine a worse way to end that series. An iconic trilogy. Like let's just end it the worst way. God. Are you making that face at me saying icon- iconic trilogy I'm or just at thinking, the series itself? At, at the Godfather 3. Yeah. I'm just I can't do it. That's and, and I've mentioned this before. Of the three Godfather movies, the one I've seen the most is, is God the Godfather movie. 3. I don't know why I did that to myself. Do you need to watch the other ones to make up for it? I, I think I just need to, like, stop. go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no. I think, I think, uh, do you have anything else? No, I mean, Godfather 3 was the least interesting out of the three. Um, especially, I don't know, musically to me. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't a banger. Oh, something worth mentioning, though, is the story of his son wanting to be a musician. Yeah. Kind of. It, 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 it's worth mentioning because it's like, oh, it involves music and it's in the plot. But then the movie doesn't make you care about it at all. Right. So it's, it's not like, like a major plot point. Right. Um, I mean, Because doesn't ahead. he want him to go to law school or something like that? I think that he wanted the same for him as his dad wanted yeah. for but dad, I want to sing. I want to dance. When for Michael it was, dad, I want to kill people, not be a senator. Yeah, I want to kill Japanese people in the war. Uh. Wow. Wow. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Well. Whale. That's been the Godfather trilogy. This, uh chonky episode we hope call it. you made it through yes we hope you learned something if you leave this podcast with any bit of knowledge it should be that in the godfather 2 they had to reshoot an entire scene <laughs> because their pants had zippers and it was a scene set in ni- before 1913 when zippers were invented. So yeah. they had to reshoot it with pants with button flies. I, I had another thing that I was going to say, but I agree that that is the one bit of knowledge people should leave this podcast with. Because <laughs> in 1901, when little baby Vito Corleone hops off the boat, uh, those people better not have any damn zippers on their pants. <laughs> not have it's, any zippers. We're not. It's Historically about, inaccurate. It's about historical accuracy in our movies we have to be uh, we have to be right yeah um oh and i can't think of anything funny to follow it up with uh, i'm sorry it's still your thunder uh, scorsese is making a movie with i think de niro and pacino oh that's what you that's what it is did you see that thing that i retweeted <laughs> no the the dunkin donuts thing I saw you. I saw a Dunkin' Donuts logo on my feed, but I didn't look at it. Oh my goodness! There's. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna pull it up, and we're gonna listen to it because it is something else. Uh, profile. Because I retweeted it, and I specifically said, "Godfather 4 looking wild." Um, oh, 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 oh. Did I you saw see this? It. Yes. Yes. I, th- I remember that commercial from... I never... I, when did that come out? Do you remember? We were young. I want to okay. say, like, late elementary. Wow! Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore! It's Dunk! Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do! What's my name? Dunkachino! It's a whole new game! Dunkachino! You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, ooh, I lucky light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too. Caramel swirl, I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. I can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids 
Dunkachino, D-U-N-K-A-C-C-I-N-O. I just, I just. Oh. I don't know why it needed to exist, but it does. And that's. Oh that. wait, is this from the film Jack and Jill? What? Is this? Uh, surely not. No, I think it came out around the time of. The film Jack and Jill. Okay. Um, hang on, this is this is all extra bits for you. You you super fans there. <laughs> Jack and Jill is a 2011 American comedy film directed by Dennis Dugan, Duggan D U G A N, written by Steve Corin and Adam Sandler, okay. and starring Sandler in a dual role. I'm be- I believe Sandler plays a man and a woman. Yeah. In a not great... They go on a cruise. Uh, sure. Katie Holmes and Al Pacino. The plot follows an ad executive who must survive the holidays when his annoying twin sister comes to visit. The film was released on November 11th, 2011 by Columbia Pictures and grossed $149 million against its $79 million budget. Jack and Jill was panned by critics and is considered to be by some to be one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> At the 32nd Golden Globe, Golden Raspberry Award, excuse me, the film was nominated for a record of 12 Razzies in all 10 categories. It became the first film to sweep the Razzies, quote, winning in each category, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, and Worst Actress. I'm glad. Was uh, Adam Sandler the Worst Actress? Surely not. Surely <laughs> it was Katie Holmes. Uh... Well, Jack encourages Jill to try online dating, Mm -hmm. but she is unsuccessful until Jack alters her profile. When Jill's date, quote, fun bucket meets her, he hides in the men's room until she leaves the restaurant. Jack's agency client, meanwhile, wants him to somehow get actor Al Pacino to appear in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial to promote a new promote a new copy called the Dunkachino. Jack takes Jill to a Lakers game. I'm sorry, my brain just broke. <laughs> Why are we going through this? I can't. I I can't. His career fell apart for a while is what I is what I know. Um, well, how can you be anything after being Michael Corleone? He's almost 80 years old. Good. <laughs> what does that should, mean? Should we close this yes, out? Yes, let's end this Godforsaken podcast. God Father Saken. God Father Saken. Podcast. Dunkachino. Oh my god. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>